Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Today's show was inspired by something that happened recently. I was at a party and I met someone who said they knew me, but I actually didn't know them. That happens often when you speak as frequently as I do. She was asking me about the projects we have underway, and she was telling me about the ideas she had for flipping houses in our local market, something she had never done before. The ideas she was suggesting sounded risky to me. The path to success is filled with landmines, and she would really need to work with someone who has a lot of experience to help her avoid the many pitfalls along the path. At that point, she offered to invest passively with me on some of my projects. Now, I don't know if she would even qualify to invest in our projects. That's not the point of the story. The point is, it was clear to me that she had not developed a clear idea of what constitutes a good investment. The idea that she would part with large sums of her money without having a clear criteria is the part I found disturbing. And sadly, I encounter this situation very, very frequently. So on today's show, we're going to talk about the importance of having a clear investment criteria. Making an investment decision requires discipline. It requires a formal due diligence process. I see people making insanely rash and poor investment decisions all the time. Frankly, it's hard to stand by and watch it happen. Due diligence requires a separate focus on three principal areas. These are, number one, the local market conditions, number two, the people running the project, and number three, the specifics of the deal itself. The idea here is that you develop your own due diligence checklist. The step that most people miss in this exercise is even if they have a checklist, they fail to put pass-fail criteria for each of the checklist items. For example, one of the market criteria that I pay attention to is the employment and demographics. I want an influx of population, an influx of jobs. For example, I will not invest in Illinois right now. Virtually every metropolitan area in the state lost population last year. Chicago lost 22,000 residents in the last 12 months. Nashville, on the other hand, gained 38,000 residents. But that by itself is not enough. I want to see financial health in the community. If the city's on the verge of bankruptcy, it's going to be difficult for the city to attract investment in new businesses. I look at the overall supply-demand situation to confirm the market conditions are truly favorable for investment. If there's much more supply than demand, it's going to be difficult to create value in the market. Business is all about solving real problems, and if there's an excess of supply, whether it's because people are leaving or it's become overbuilt, the outcome's kind of the same. If there's an excess of supply, there's no reason to invest. When it comes to the team, I look deeply at the people who are sponsoring the project. I look at their track record. I want to see projects that have experienced adverse situations to see how the team handled those situations. The deal itself also has to meet very specific criteria. My own due diligence checklist consists of about 60 items. The most comprehensive list I've ever seen had 151 items. But frankly, I consider that longer list to be excessive. Many of the items on that longer list were duplicates in my opinion. The list doesn't need to be excessive but I believe a due diligence checklist of somewhere between 40 to 60 meaningful questions is about right. The questions should be categorized by grouping. Within each subset list, some of the questions can allow for some grayscale in the answers, and then others require a black and white binary pass or fail answer. If you color code the answers into the checklist, you'll be able to see at a glance in a couple of pages whether the deal is going to work or not. You'll see if there's a few solvable problems, or if there's too many problem areas to overcome. If the problems are confined to a few areas, you might be able to have a meaningful negotiation with the deal sponsor. But I've got to warn you, there are situations where I've seen investors, having spent a lot of time in due diligence, proceed with an investment because they become emotionally invested in the project. 
And that's the trap of deal momentum. As an investor, you need to develop your own investment model. Some deals are a little too complex to model on your own. In that case, it might be okay to use the sponsor's financial model, but you've got to be willing to dig deep into the model and check the math. Even if the sponsor isn't trying to trick you, even the best folks sometimes make mistakes. And I often discover errors in financial models. Usually they're minor, but sometimes they're not. An error at this stage of the game is much cheaper to fix than a year or two from now, if it can ever be fixed. Today's episode is really for the newer investor. Take the time to look at a number of deals. Take the time to form your own investment criteria. Take the time to create and refine your own investment due diligence checklist. Ask the deal sponsors to provide answers to your questions. It's going to take several iterations to develop a checklist that you truly feel confident in. You might refine that checklist over a period of months or years. That doesn't mean you should wait until the checklist is perfect before you make an investment. The simple act of having a checklist and a defined process for making decisions, that's going to put you years ahead of the vast majority of investors. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.